Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Hey, this is Trent Russell, host of the Audit Podcast, and today we have Ellen Hunt, who's the CAE of AARP on the show, and we talk about something we haven't talked about very much on the show, and that's adding value through using dashboards in within internal audit, and what I thought would be a good idea is since we talked about the dashboards, obviously they're visual representation, so it'd be best to be able to view the dashboard. So for those of you that don't know, we do a like a two minute clip from each episode. Usually it's my favorite part of the show and we do a clip of it and put it on YouTube um, that shows the video of myself and whoever the guest is. So what we thought would be good was when Ellen's talking about the dashboard is to include a, a, a screenshot of the dashboard in there. So you guys can kind of take a look at it and see what she was talking about. It's, it's for reporting um, from internal audit on the status of the engagement and um, audit in general. So pretty interesting. Uh, be sure to check that out. I'll put a link in the um, show notes so you can be sure to, to go to that. Um, also, there's gonna be a few links in the show notes um, for engagements that Ellen Spinky got. So on August 19th, so if you're listening to this uh, on the release date, then you don't have too much time to sign up, but reopening the workplace, how are we going to do this? Um, she'll be speaking at as well as the SCCE 19th Annual Compliance and Ethics Institute, um, which is in the middle of September, the PLI Advanced Compliance and Ethics Workshop, which is in the uh, end of October, and then uh, a book to look out for that's coming out uh, later in 2020 is Great Women in Compliance, um, and Ellen's featured in that book. So if nothing else, Check those links out in the show notes, see the topics that Ellen's speaking about. If there's any that you're interested in, be sure to sign up. All right. Well, I mean, I think I'm just gonna kind of focus on, you know, we're in the midst of a lot of uncertainty. We certainly know, you know, it's certain that things are gonna change and continue to change. And how do we, you know, how do we seize the, that opportunity from an uh, audit perspective to provide value to our clients? Yeah, I think that is the big thing. Yeah, I think yeah, that is the big thing right now. You know, what's the chance? What is what is what are the positives about this this place that we're at? And how do we how do you use this so that you're you know really um, helping identify and reduce risks and adding value to the client? That's yeah. really really what it's all about. So, what are you guys doing specifically? 
Well, there's a couple things. So um, one of the things that we did um, is we took advantage of the fact that we don't have any in-person events right now. In fact, we're an organization that had a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And we utilized Cvent uh, as our registration system. And we were struggling with, well, it's something we probably really should audit. But when are you going to do that? Because you don't want to disrupt the operations. Well, now ended up being the perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in anybody's way. And we can just look through it and get our audit done. Um, and so opportunities like that where things are, you know, maybe always going, uh, you know, 110%, but they've paused. Is that an opportunity for you to go in and take an audit where you're not disrupting the business at all? In fact, this might be a great time because as they start to think about um, restarting their engines, <laughs> you know, getting um, back to work and re-entry, they might be making some modifications anyway, and you can fold in whatever your observations in yeah. at the same time. Okay. So, well, so that's definitely um, something that we took advantage of. Okay, and you said Cvent, is that what you said? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot like, um, uh, it's, it's an online registration invite system. Okay. So, um, it's a lot like Eventbrite. Okay. And so how are you guys using it and what was the, and looking at it from an audit perspective? So, you know, we have offices in all um, of the states and they do a lot of stuff with volunteers and our members. And so it was really an event registration system for us. Okay. Um, and uh, as we started to use it more and more, we started to use it for other purposes and the data was going to between a bunch of different departments and other things like that. And so it was a great opportunity for us to just take a look at it when nobody is, you know, really kind of turning it on and using it every day. Okay. So, um, and I think, you know, we'll continue to look for those kinds of opportunities where we can maybe just come on in while, you know, things are kind of uh, on hiatus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. For now, and and see where uh, you know maybe we can um, just you know get our work done, see what's going on, um, and as I say, as people do start to think about reentry and how some of their business processes might change, we can probably fold in our observations right into that. And so it's not, oh, now we want you to do this, right? And yeah. now we yeah. want you. You know, that's I think that's always kind of the struggle is. Um, people have goals and initiatives and daily tasks that they have to achieve. And eh, internal audit is sometimes really just seen as something extra, right? This is something else I have to do. More of a pain than an extra even. <laughs> well, and, and frankly, in, in, in my organization, they're, they're grateful. They're very open um, to suggestions. It's just you're adding to their to-do list instead of helping them move it forward. Yeah. So the more you can think of ways where this can just fold into a process already, or it can be, you know, put up in the queue of, of other um, improvements they're making, all the better, right? Because nobody wants to have to do work twice or to do extra work or, or do work the hard way. Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't know if, if you and I have discussed it or if I've said it on the show before, but in nobody's job description when they get hired, does it say 
you might get audited. So, so when audit comes in and starts asking for all this stuff, it's like, I, I mean, I know I have to do it and understand it and everything, but um, it can be, you know, that's why I think they can be, we can be seen as a pain is because of, of the fact that nobody really knows that that could happen, you know? Yeah. And people, people always fear what they don't know. Exactly. Uh, and some of your clients can be very familiar with audits. They understand what you're doing. They know why you're there. They understand the process and it's just no big deal. And for others, you don't have a frame of reference. Yeah. So, so audit can sound like a scary word. It can imply that, you know, you're in trouble. That's why we're looking at you. And you got to go out of your way to assure the client that that's not what's happening. You got to talk about, you know, why was this certain um, audit selected? What's, what is your audit process? Uh, and I find when clients kind of understand what that is and how it works, and you're really looking at the risks in the organization, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're the best source for the best ideas of what to audit next because they see it day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe not in the way you do. So, um, you know, explaining the process in a way that um, makes them comfortable, but also just understands that, you know, you're not, you're not out to get them. Yeah. You're just there yeah. to make sure that the processes are working as intended and provide opportunities for improvement. Yeah. And I that communication up front, um, you can call it whatever you want to, the opening meeting or the kickoff meeting or, or whatever it is, the uh, kind of initial communication point, I would say, and to spend 10 minutes explaining, this is how we do a risk assessment, this is why you're picked. Just like you said, it doesn't. you're not in trouble. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest misconception is audits here because um, either we're in trouble or they're looking to get us in trouble. And yeah. so I, I always try to explain audit is just the name of the department. Really, um, really try to think of us as process improvement. Like if you had a um, consulting firm come in and you got free consulting work from them, you probably wouldn't be disappointed in that, you know? So think of audit as that same consulting, um, firm that's coming in except you don't you don't have to pay for it because it's internal and it's free so the other thing that I've said to to clients and is we don't audit departments we audit processes mm -hmm. and sometimes what happens when processes are codependent you don't really know how it's working on the other side because why would you but we have a view across the process and sometimes things just fall into gaps or there's a misunderstanding about how things are working. And you don't know if something that you change upstream is gonna hurt somebody downstream because you're, you don't necessarily know how they depend on the system or what they're using the data for. And so that's another way that I can talk to clients and just assure them that you know this isn't about you, it's about the process. Yeah. And we need to know, we have to have some assurance that it's working the way it's supposed to that if we have any compliance gaps, we can close them. Oh, and by the way, if there's a way to work more efficiently. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I think the way you put it in, it's, it's um, we're not auditing you, we're auditing the process. I think that's a brilliant way to kind of sum it up. I, thought, I really like the way you put that. Yeah, and one of the things that we've seen in our organization and i think everybody struggles with this is sometimes you just end up with operational 
and um, departmental silos. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, that's because you've defined roles and responsibilities, which is great. People need to know what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get it done? But sometimes people don't look beyond their own roles and responsibilities. And, and we've done some um, gap analysis of, on processes where we really take a process from the beginning to the end. And it's amazing when you get the folks in the room, they work together forever on a process and they had no idea that certain handoffs weren't working or that other areas didn't have the data they needed. And it can really evolve into a great conversation about, we're doing 10 things that don't move the ball forward, that don't improve the process, that take time. We can do it in five. Yeah. I mean, your clients, can come up with amazing solutions because it's their process yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. know inside and out. So that's another thing is just, you know, keeping that really the broadest view possible and keeping it in context of the uh, organization's strategies and goals. That's another thing sometimes when we get very involved in our tasks, our daily tasks, we forget why we're doing it. And sometimes um, there can be a gap for that. And you're doing 10 steps, you can do five and still achieve, right? Save money, save time, do it faster, better. So um, we always focus on, on those and uh, those items and try to bring to the client information that they maybe don't know. You know, yeah. they know yeah. their piece of the process really well. They're the experts but they don't always know what's what's happening around them and in the other areas. So to do that, to do to follow the process all the way through, do you look at it uh, from a transactional perspective? Like we're going to follow this transaction and almost like follow it through, see what systems it hits. And then like within that is almost the process within itself. So you, um, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to get to maybe some of the folks that maybe haven't followed a process uh, from start to finish, how they could kind of think about it. And that's what pops in my yeah. head because that's what we've yeah. done is followed in the past a, a transaction. You know, you're, you basically act as a customer. You come in and you say, all right, the thing was sold. Let's follow it all the way through from an IT perspective to identify systems that need to be in scope and things like that. Um, so just trying to, if you could elaborate a little bit more on how to kind of build that process out or follow that process. Yeah, absolutely. You can look at it on a transaction basis. You can also look at it as a user basis, right? So sometimes when you think about like onboarding from an HR perspective, mm -hmm. you have a whole bunch of different stakeholders who have sometimes very different needs out of that workflow or that process. I, as the employee, need to understand what I need to do to get my work done. How do I get my equipment? Where do I, right? all of those kinds of very logistical things. As the manager though, you, the needs can be different, right? I wanna make sure my employee is set up properly. I wanna, I need the higher date, I, you know, all of those things. And then just from the HR perspective, right? They need to make sure that the person has gotten into the system appropriately, all the demographics have been properly um, recorded and all of those things. So, so another approach is, well, what are users using the system for and are they getting what they need out of it? So kind of a need user basis works as well. 
Um, the other thing you can also do is ask clients to, to provide a diagram of the process and how they think it works and then compare it to how it actually works. <laughs> sometimes they're not the same. I guess it'd be uh, more times than sometimes. Yeah, and, and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't matter, but sometimes it can really, it can really help identify a big gap. I know something else that I'd seen, or I'd, I've seen you on multiple podcasts before. And when I listen to some podcasts and they have usually like a relatively standard set of questions, you know, like we're going to go through this question, this question, this question. I kind of think uh, when I get done, or I might think about it too much. It runs through my head. Like how would I answer that question? And then something else I kind of think about is I wish they would have, you know, if I was on that podcast, I wish they would ask me about this because I really want to get my opinion out about this thing. And so from, I don't know, maybe you've had a similar experience, but is there from those experiences that you've been on, has there been like a question, if I could ask you a question that you would want me to ask that you could answer for the audience? Is there something kind of a soapbox moment you could say? Yeah, so, so I really believe that internal audit is at a cusp or a precipice. Um, there is extreme intelligence, professionalism, and value that audit brings to any organization. But I think we have to spend some time as a profession and as professionals redefining ourselves. Um, the term audit can have negative connotations to people who are auditees. Um, and we really have to think about how do you embrace being flexible and agile? Um, because at the end of the day, it's all about bringing value to the organization you serve. Uh, and if you're not doing that because you're too tied into your protocols and your norms and the way you've always done things, yeah. you know, yeah. they might decide to outsource you yeah. for something else. Right. And so um, this is sometimes framed up as the seat at the table and being the trusted advisor. Um, I think it's critically important. Um, one of the things that I've been reading a lot about and just seeing out in LinkedIn and other things is how management is going to change. And some have gone as far as to say management's dead, hmm. right? You're going to have employees who work at home and you're never going to manage the same way. And when you think about it, organizations don't need people running around making sure other people are doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. What they need is to make sure that their strategy is being executed on, that the goals that underline that strategy are being achieved. And, and as internal auditors, we love to get into the weeds, but we always have to keep that bigger picture of the context. What is the organization doing? Why is it doing it? What matters? Kind of that breath across the whole organization and the context of what it means because there's just no doubt one thing that's certain it's nothing certain it's all going to change yeah. it already has and it's going to continue we're going to all you know deal with different issues as we re-enter and some of us won't re-enter um 
and then things will change again and again. The economy um, and, and um, just the way the country is running is just constantly, constantly changing. And you have to keep up with it. Yeah. So that's yeah. my soapbox moment. Nice. I like that. I like because I've always had a problem to a degree with, you know, management, like we were saying, and making sure that someone's doing their job. Uh, just like you said, and I think the changing the perspective from are you doing your job to are you aligning to what the strategy of the company is, um, is brilliant. Because that's also something I don't see, I feel like, enough in audit is if you ask how does this tie to the strategy, it almost should be, you should be able to answer that instantly. It shouldn't be like a, what, you know, let me, th uh, let me go look at the strategy and see how we could maybe tie this back to it. You know, I feel like that's where a lot of it should come from the top down um to hit Absolutely. you know even at the control level we're testing this control because it ties to this objective and ties to that part of the strategy and that's why we're doing this thing um because yeah. i think a lot of times it can be we're going to go audit this department and their cash you know and it's like well for what and, oh, i don't know because cash and it's you know it's like okay I, so I, I love that answer i thought that was brilliant yeah. I think the other thing that we all do, no matter what your profession is, is we love to hang out with each other. Uh -huh. <laughs> auditors love to be with auditors. Ethics and compliance folks love to be with ethics and compliance folks. I'm yeah. sure CFOs <laughs> like to be with CFOs. And I would just encourage the way you get breath and context and understand where the organization is going is you need to get out there and talk to other people. And you need to be interacting with them outside of an audit framework, right? You want to have built some relationships and known people in your organization long before you knock on the door and say, by the way, we're, now we're going to audit. Yeah. It makes a tremendous difference because they know you, they, they get to understand you. And that conversation about, well, what's audit? When you have that out of the context of, and I'll be auditing you tomorrow, <laughs> makes, a big, makes a big difference. Yeah. And, and that's when people then come and seek you out. I was talking to somebody yesterday who's an internal auditor, and she said the thing she likes best about her job is when people come to her and ask her for help. Yeah. Because she sees that as the greatest compliment, because they're seeing her as a resource rather than something that is just something to be dealt with. Yeah. Right. What a great way to frame it, right? I love that too. And to the point where I've thought about the idea of tracking it as almost like a KPI, mm -hmm. who has, or let's see how many times management comes to us with a problem versus how many times we go to management and say, this is the problem we think you have, you know, versus them coming and saying, hey, this is the problem we have. We need you to help us fix it, basically. Um, yeah. And so one way that I find, and I, mean, I would like to get your opinion too on how to kind of build those relationships and have management come to internal audit. Um, but one way that I've seen be really effective is almost marketing in the sense of a dashboard. Mm -hmm. So management loves dashboards. Mm -hmm. And so with, with you know, uh, analytics and using dashboards and building that into the audit process and then showing management a dashboard. I'm, I'm not joking when I say I've had people say, we saw the dashboard, can you help us? And it's like, you don't even, that's it. Like you saw a dashboard and that, so now you, now you see the value of audit because of the dashboard and it's really become a, a marketing tool for internal audit to management 
Um, so I don't know if, I know you guys use analytics and, and maybe some dashboard yeah. to some degree, but maybe outside of that, how would you yeah. think about building a relationship um, with someone like a cold relationship almost like, let's say a new CFO comes in, you know, how would you almost approach them? Yeah. So, so I'm going to break it down in an answer in a couple of parts. Um, the dashboard is a huge marketing opportunity. And I think one of the things that people believe or have in their head is that audit is going to come ask a whole bunch of questions, get a whole bunch of documents and then slap a report on us that we don't have any opportunity to have any input on and give us findings that are too prescriptive and unreasonable. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we've done, uh, we use Tableau as our organizational data analytic tool. Uh, and um, really my, the, the team is the experts and came up with um, this, but for each audit, we have a dashboard and it shows you who your contacts are, what we're auditing, where we are with documents, what's the timeline, what do we think the potential findings are? So it's all there and it doesn't matter if you are the operational person uh, on the floor or you're the executive vice president who's, who's monitoring. Or anybody who wants access to it gets it. So transparency. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing that we're doing is we're taking that and rolling it up to become an executive dashboard and eventually a dashboard for the audit committee. Right. Transparency again. But the other thing is with data analytics, why are we building reports? We should be at real time. I don't need to build a report and submit it to the office of corporate secretary for them to be in a, in a book. I'm going to give you a link. You want to know where we are on an audit plan? You can look anytime you want. Perfect. Yeah. So it's a huge marketing tool because what it says to your clients is, I'm not playing hide the ball. Mm -hmm. I'm being completely transparent with you. So yeah. it's a great opportunity. The other thing that you can help your clients with, and we've used this, is as we audit, if we build reports with data analytics or other interfaces, we leave it behind. I don't, I don't need that report going forward. These are not my business operations. They're yours. Mm -hmm. But this is what we use to audit you. These are the, th the factors and the variables that we think are important for you to figure out what could be operational outliers for you. Take it, modify it, go forth. And that has been really pretty successful because they ma it made them more effective. Oh, and by the way, they know exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. It's an open book. It's not, this isn't a test that you have to somehow pass without knowing, you know, what's being covered, it's an open book. Yeah. So that's, um, that has been very, very helpful. And, and, and also using what the corporation uses, right? I mean, sometimes we go out and we buy our own software and we're using our own system. No, you got to use what the business uses because then you're speaking the same language. And then on that relationship piece, which was another part of your question, you would be surprised how much people like to talk about themselves and what they do. <laughs> Invite them to lunch. Invite them to a virtual coffee. Invite them to come talk to your team as a staff meeting and give a 15-minute overview of what they do. People love that. Yeah. 
They love that. And, and that's how you start building that relationship because you start sharing information in a, in a non-confrontational way, not within the context of an audit. And I think it goes a long way. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. I, yeah, I love that. Is there a is there a way? I think it would be helpful. Totally up to you to share the um, like a screenshot of the the dashboards or anything like that. Yeah, I think we probably could. I mean, I think we might have to de-identify a little, yeah. but yeah. I think it would be helpful because, and I, I, I think I told you when we did the kind of pre-recording call, we'll take this video and cut it down to like a two minute clip to put out yep. there. And I think it would be cool is as you're describing those, like if we just had, like I could throw the screenshot up on the screen to show kind of what you're talking about. Cause I think that'd be yeah. really helpful. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I think we can, you know, we would de-identify it from any particular audit, but we can certainly give you guys you know, this is this is how the factors and the information we thought was helpful for our dashboard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, and let me see. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it quick enough. Make sure this doesn't have anything that needs to be de-identified. I can't remember if I showed you this before. It seems like this just comes up maybe. <laughs> okay, yeah, this one's clean. All right. Um, so are you sharing? Yeah, there we go. On a dashboard. Yeah. So this is, you were talking about starting with, um, management and then uh, executive and then we went bottom up mm -hmm. and we so went bottom up and uh, you know currently what I what I what I share with the audit committee is a pretty static report on you know here's the audit plan here's where we are I discuss anything that's a potential issue but the dashboard itself would really show progress and really kind of show this where each each audit is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. I don't know. This one was built for, and I don't think I have it fit to the screen, but um, you know, they have that like. It looks very similar. Very similar. Four different locations. Do I? Is that built on Tableau? Yeah. Yeah. Ours looks very similar. We just, we have, you know, just some different criteria on the top and, and location doesn't, isn't, that big of a factor for us. Uh -huh. um, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm happy to get you kind of just a shell. Okay. Yeah, that'd be good. I think, yeah, yeah. I changed all this up. Northeast. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. We made all those yeah. up. But, um, yeah, I thought there was, this was pretty good. And one of my favorite things is you can see these two. So the conflict of interest is a bad example, but 
you know, if you're, if you have locations then say, and this isn't applicable to you, but um, if you have locations being able to say, why are we looking at conflict of interest at these two locations, but not these other, you know, that was a question that instantly popped out and I was like, it's a good question. Yeah. Why are, you know, why are we not looking at those? So, yeah, anyway. absolutely. Any, anything that helps you uh, inform your risk analysis, anything that helps you give you information about what the area is doing, why they're doing it. Um, all of that is helpful, right? Um, you know, you're not always going to know or, or share with them their goals or initiatives uh, and what they're working towards. Um, and, and anything that, that, that informs you or informs them. Um, you know, sometimes the employee survey can be helpful. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. people raise risks through, you know, the verbatims on that. And uh, that can also be a source of uh, information about, is there an area in the, in the organization that's really changing fast or people think too fast um, or um, not changing fast enough? Right. So is there something that y'all use regularly or? We do it about every 18 months. Okay. Uh, and I look at it just because I'm always interested um, in what areas does there seem to be less engagement than others? Because there, there has to be a reason for that. So that could be that, you know, management employees are not getting along, mm. not necessarily an audit issue, but or it could be that you have an area that's under a lot of pressure to deliver. And so that means they may take some shortcuts as they think about changing processes. Uh -huh. They may not be as thorough as they vet maybe new processes and things like that. So I, I always take a look at it. And then I'm always you know, interested in the culture because one of the things that's key in any organization is, hey, if something isn't working, or it's maybe hasn't been thought through carefully, people need to be able to speak up and say, ooh, yeah. are we sure? Yeah. yeah. Maybe we better check or um, let's, let's you know, take a step back. Um, and so I'm always interested in, in areas that maybe are going through lots and lots of change uh, or could be under you know, more pressure to perform than others. Because I, I think that's risk. Yeah. Have you guys, do you put those results in a dashboard at all and share those with management? Uh, we haven't. HR really owns that survey um, and they really work with management on that. And, and rightly so. I mean, they're, you know, confidential information um, uh, and some of those verbatims can be very specific. So um, HR really does that, but um, I do have, you know, information on certain areas and, uh, I look at it as a whole as well. So, gotcha. and then I can, you know, I can ask HR and or that business area about, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Okay. Just an indicator. Okay. So we talked a little bit about analytics and just from the dashboarding perspective, and I think there might be the idea that analytics is using dashboards, or if you're using dashboards, that is analytics, and there's some truth to that. But are there are there any analytics examples that you would you could share that you would want to share um, everybody loves a quick win if you have those that you could share just kind of how you how you guys are using analytics and what you've seen from those 
Yeah. So um, we've certainly, you know, built reports using data analytics that we've left behind with the business areas. And, and one area that certainly lends itself to this is T&E, use of a corporate credit card. We also um, still have what we call a purchasing card, although we're going to merge the two. Um, and in fact, we're going to um, look at those again and start doing some more monitoring mm -hmm. as everybody is not in the office and things are getting purchased maybe in different ways or different items are getting purchased. We're just going to revamp those and, and just keep our eyes open on, hmm, what could be an outlier given, you know, everybody's working from home. Um, somebody, you know, orders 10 printers, we're going to go, why? Why would you yeah. need 10? Um, so, uh, you know, how much of a risk that is or isn't, I don't know, but um, we're certainly going to look at it and utilize the, the reports we've already built for yeah. that, maybe with yeah. some modifications. Um, and I, th you know, dashboards are what a lot of people think about that, but the thing about analytics is it can give you status, that's the dashboard. But what you really want out of the use of that analytics is the insights. Mm -hmm. What is it that the data is telling you? And this can be tricky because <laughs> think of that Alice in Wonderland thing with the Cheshire cat in the tree, you know, and Alice says, where, which path should I take? And the cat kind of goes, well, where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with analytics too, right? You don't know necessarily where you want to go because you don't know all of the data. But it certainly is, is fun to play with. And I think that's the other thing is um, you can always modify and change it. Just because you built one report with these 10 factors doesn't mean you can't take that over and use eight of them and add two new ones. Or, right, you can continue, and you should be. You should be refreshing it, right? So an example, Saturday night stays. A lot of fraud experts would tell you, hey, you got a Saturday night stay, you probably got a problem. You got an employee who's taking advantage of a conference for a personal stay. Well, in my organization where we hold lots and lots of events on the weekends with our volunteers and members, it's not a big indicator for us. Yeah. It just isn't. Rarely. So we stopped using it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, so you, you have to, you have to kind of constantly evaluate it and be questioning it and saying, well, what is this data really telling me? Yeah. Is it really yeah. telling me we have an outlier or is it telling me that our operations are, are different and we need to think about, well, what is out of compliance in this context? And so I think if all it's doing is, is giving you status, you're probably not using it to its full potential. Good point. I think understanding the business is kind of what you're saying with, we do stuff on the week, we have travel on the weekends, we have events on the weekends, that's not really going to yield a lot of results. Uh, Lots of it. Lots of it. <laughs> so we got a really big report. Yeah, especially if you're taking a sample. Yeah, how much more, you know, are you really getting out of that? So. Well, and, and that's one of the things that is just amazing about using the data analytics is it really turns sampling on its end because mm -hmm. you can test all of the data and that's phenomenal. So 
when you think of it in the context of T&E or any other kind of organizational spend, that can be really valuable because you're not looking for the needle in the haystack anymore because you've looked through the whole haystack. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And that's what one of the, the main things that we do is the T&E piece. Everybody wants to understand, especially right now, expenses, the P card mm -hmm. spend and, you know, all the, mm -hmm. the typical stuff. Um, with your permission, I would like to ask that when you start developing that again, or you jump back into it, if I sure. could just sit in and see maybe, Hey, this is what, this is how I do it. This is because I talk to you, I talk to other audit leaders and they say, this is how we do it. And I say, ah, okay. I don't do it quite like that. Let me do it like that. Um, sure. so just to give an opinion and that, yeah. that's really it. So I don't know. It's hard to. I think maybe plan for that because it, I don't know if you're waiting until things get kind of back to the way they were to where the spend is a little more normal or. No, we're going to get started now. Right. So, so something that's easy is there's no travel. Yeah. So any travel is going to get questioned. Yeah. It's going to get flagged. But I'm also um, just um, thinking about quantities and quality of su office supplies that get sent to the home. Mm -hmm. um, just because, and I have no idea what an outlier would or wouldn't be yet in that context, but or my, maybe my example is somebody orders 10 printers. Well, nobody needs 10 printers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I think there's, there's some boundaries you can establish pretty quickly around some of this stuff that's just going to give you an idea. And my thought is, Maybe you have one or two employees who have other issues going on. Maybe their spouse isn't working or they have other, you know, and that happens whether we're at home or not, yeah. right? In any organization, sometimes you have people who take advantage and misuse the assets. Yeah. So. Very true. Okay. So we're just going to keep an eye on it. Okay. And as a kind of a takeaway from that, the, what I use a lot for outliers which is really great is to look at the Z score. I don't know if that's a, I don't like to get too statistical. Uh, so I'll just Z score um, and then do it by job title and then what they're buying within that job title. And you can yeah. see accountant one only bought one of these, but it'll, that the Z score will flag it and say accountant two, I mean, accountant one, John Smith accountant one bought one of these. Jane Doe accountant one bought, five of these and it, you know, and shows you that. Yeah. That as an outlier yeah. to dig into a little bit more. So, um, I found that doing it by like department and then job title and it kind of depends on how you're like, I've, I've worked with a company before and they're like, yeah, our job titles don't really make sense that way. So depending on how, how it's set up, um, that's a really good yeah. way. To look at it, but yeah. And for us, we might do it by actually who's the card holder. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and we can certainly compare previous spend to current spend yeah. that may or may not give us insights, but. Yeah, I think that's for the people because I think people get hung up on analytics and they're like, oh, I'm not in IT. I don't know how to do it. I can't do analytics. Um, it doesn't always have to be super, you know, uh, analytical or statistical. There's it's not too difficult to take what happened and say, all right, especially right now. Uh, we started working from home this day. 
cut it off, separate the two and just aggregate it and see, you know, where there's, uh, you can just eyeball that kind of stuff, just the numbers and see kind of what's looking funky and then uh, yeah. checking it out. Especially I've, I've talked to some people that are kind of like, yeah, at least initially when this happened, um, we're just kind of in a holding pattern right now, trying to figure out exactly where we can add the most value. And it's like, if you have data, just go look at it. <laughs> you can go look at it. You're not going to get in trouble for you know when it's, data. You're comparing A and B. Yeah. And seeing what falls out. Yeah. Really, think, at the end of the day, it's not it's not that complicated. It's not, it's really conceptually, it isn't that different. It's it's really ACL on steroids, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> data dump A, data dump B, what yeah. falls out? Yeah. All right. This is your your moment to say whatever you want to. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would. Uh, I definitely want to shout out to my team. Um, it's just a great folks, a uh, bunch of folks who are dedicated and intelligent and smart and always thinking about how do they bring value to the organization and to their clients. Uh, I will promote that I'll be talking at the SCCE, which is the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics, at their annual meeting in the fall. And I will uh, be writing a couple entries for Great Women in Compliance, which is a book that will be coming out the new year, okay. 2021. Okay. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one. Thank you.